Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome to Season 3 of the Survival Show Podcast. It's good to be back with you all after such a long break. So today, we're going to jump into our next episode in our new series called Survival Quick Tips, where Craig and I will break down a vital survival, emergency, or preparedness topic in a shorter, more shareable, and concise way. And for those of you who like video podcasts, you can watch this and every episode of Survival Quick Tips over at Ultimate Survival Tips YouTube channel. Alrighty. Let's jump in and get into today's podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of Survival Quick Tips, which is part of the Tiny Survival Guide Learning System and our full Tiny Survival Masterclass online training. Hey guys and gals, in this segment, what Dave and I will be doing is taking a few minutes to break down a vital emergency preparedness or survival topic found in the Tiny Survival Guide. And, and this is very important. Before we're all done, we'll share a few action steps that you can put into practice today. All right, everybody. So today we're going to be discussing Section C1 in the Tiny Survival Guide. So if you have it, pull it out. If you don't, no problem. You're still going to get a lot out of this session as we discuss when to bug out and when to stay home and some simple bug-in or sheltering-in-place preparations you need to make before a society-altering event occurs. All right, Craig. You ready to get started? Let's do it. All right, Craig. So in recent days and months, I've actually started to rethink bugging out and sheltering in place. And I think in some ways, preemptive bugging out a planned evacuation even is a, a wise thing to have in your palate. Maybe can you just get us started by talking about when to bug out and when to stay home? Yeah, it's a difficult decision. I think the big thing to understand is that you have to look at it from the perspective of your safety and particularly as your safety relates to your life and those that you care about, those that you live with. From my perspective, the only time you should be bugging out is when there is an imminent situation where you're not going to be able to make it wherever it is that you currently are. So if you're in a vehicle and you're lost or some of that nature and flooding is happening and your car is getting swept away, you're going to have to get out of that vehicle. If you're in your house, you're in your home where you normally live and danger is coming to your home and it's likely that whatever danger is coming to your home, maybe that's a tornado, maybe that's some sort of man-made disaster um, like an aggressive mob or something of that nature, then you will probably want to leave your home and get away from it. If we boil it down, that's what we need to consider because we are accustomed, most of us in the modern world, to staying in our homes, being comfortable there, being able to take care of our needs there. And unless we spend a considerable amount of time away from our homes, taking care of our needs, taking care of our, many of our wants as well, 
then we're going to struggle if not, if not, not make it at all. And so I think the key is to do everything you can to stay at home. Now, what do you think about, I mean, things have been changing. There's been a lot of uh, civil unrest in the U.S. in the last uh, several weeks, several months. I know that I've been talking to people more and more who are concerned about they want to stay home, but is there a way to maybe preemptively have a place to to shelter, maybe even just overnight, uh, in the event that something does happen and just being ahead of the curve? What do you think of that whole concept? Um, two things come to mind when you bring that up. First off is, yeah, without a doubt, I think, you know, you can take it back to just fire drill with your children or grandchildren, whoever you might have at home. If there's a fire in your home, everybody needs to know, hey, we're going to get out and we're going to meet here in this part of the yard or this part of the neighborhood or cul-de-sac or um, in this field or something of that nature. It's exactly the same for this situation as well. Let's say, for example, that, you know, we do have this mob of people that are coming and they're going to take our supplies or try to take our lives or something of that nature. Then we do need to have a place where we can go and let's think of it from the perspective of families that are split up. Maybe kids are at school. Maybe family members are in two different workplaces. Maybe children live in another town and you want to get to them. There needs to be a prearranged place for people to meet up. And I think there needs to be designated who's going to stay there and who's going to come get that person. Let's say, for example, that I have a child that that lives in a different town and, and I've instructed them, Hey, you need to leave your home and you need to stay here. I'm going to come get you stay here until I come get you. And here's the time frame that that should be taking place. And if it doesn't happen in that time frame, then you need to take care of your own needs. I'm probably not going to make it. And so these things need to be worked out ahead of a time so that there is both location and timing for the way things could possibly go down and be prepared for them. Now, as far as that, that would be what I would consider a temporary location, okay? Uh, just like in the fire in the house situation, you're only going to be able to stay there temporarily. If you have the ability to have a bug out location where it's completely supplied to take care of your needs and some of your wants away from your home, then by all means, bug out, get away, go into an underground bunker if you have it. Uh, but very few people actually have that ability uh, unless they are considerably wealthy for the most part, or they have quite an array and um, group of people that they prepare with and people that they can trust so that resources are marshaled together and there is a bug out location for several people. That's my perspective on it with people that, you know, I'm from Kentucky, so there's not a whole considerable amount of wealth here. And a lot of people have, you know, farms and stuff of that nature they could bug out to, but very few people have a place where they can have everything they have in their home that they need, not necessarily their wants, but they need in a separate location as well. Yeah, there was a particular situation with an individual that I'm close with who lives in a major city that has had some some rioting, some civil unrest. And so my recommendation was, since this person actually is is very close with another family who owns a farm just maybe a half hour outside of the city to make arrangements if it appears as though something may happen and you know just get there even just spend the night uh, yeah the great the great swordsman Bokudin, one of the greatest swordsmen ever lived 
said that the best way to win a sword fight is to not be in a fight at all. And so if you can avoid a fight, get away completely and not be engaged in it, then by all means do that ahead of time, preemptively. But from a tactical, strategic, self-defense perspective, you know your home, you know how people come into that area, you know where the roads are, the streets are. You should, if you've paid attention in the Tiny Survival Masterclass, particularly in Vital Survival, I have a whole section on fortifying your home and self-defense and the things that go along with it, then you should be able to know how to fortify your home and defend it as well. And it's crazy, you know. I mean, a year ago, we talk about this thing, and and I've talked about this stuff. I've written about it. We've podcasted about it. Even a year ago, I thought, man, this is, this is out there. This is far out there. Yep. But even in the, this last year, this is not that far out there anymore, you all. I know people who bugged out so that somebody didn't have to die. Now, who that was, who that would have been, would have been dependent upon the people that I know, and I don't know people that are weak. So with that said, they preemptively left so they didn't have to get in a fight. Again, winning the fight without being in the fight is a good way, if you can. I just want to mention also that in the Tiny Survival Masterclass, we do have a disaster readiness plan checklist and a 72-hour home emergency disaster kit checklist in there. What we can do now is, is go through some of the key items and uh, help people to just raise their awareness, maybe identify and plug some gaps. So let's get sure. started. Uh, let's just talk a little bit more about safety and security, Craig, and maybe even in relation to the uh, rule of threes. The big thing for safety and security, you all, is paying attention to your surroundings. Situational awareness, we've got a lesson in the Vital Survival class. It's part of the uh, Tiny Survival Master class. It's one of those things that I feel like, unfortunately, falls on deaf ears too often, but situational awareness is key. Just knowing what's going on around you and, quite frankly, how to know what's going on around you. So paying attention to your surroundings, doing Z-scans, knowing that there could be danger coming from front, back, left, or right, knowing how to address it, how to be in your home, pre-supply different areas of the home for the things that you might need to defend yourself, whether that is, hey, a tornado is hit and we're stuck here. Is there any way that we can get to food on this level of our home? I mean, it, if all your prepping supplies are stored down in the basement and the house falls in on you and you're stuck and you can't get to anything because the basement is destroyed, then... You know, you need to have food on each level of your home. You need to have supplies to defend yourself on every level of your home. So that would be the big things that come to mind quickly as it relates to safety and security. So just to dig into that briefly a little bit more, some sort of tools that could help defend yourself. It might be a, a small baseball bat by your doors or something like that. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and, and I think the big thing is for people that tools are good but you need to train with tools. And I know I'm a hardcore proponent of this because I taught people combatives and hand to hand for 25, 30 years now. But the key is don't assume that just because you have a tool, whether it's mace, a gun, a knife, a bat, or uh, something of that nature that you can use it effectively. You need to train with it. And that includes a bat. I mean, you, you would think that a bat is something that, yeah, I'll just pick up a bat and whack somebody across the head if they're trying to hurt me, but it does it does not work that way. You need to swing that and know what it's like. Does it hurt your wrist? Are you strong enough to swing that bat? Um, do you carry a fair firearm? Do you know how to deploy it such that you don't hurt yourself or hurt other people as you're deploying it? 
you know how to properly carry it so you're not sweeping one another in the house i mean and, and on and on and on and you know all this relates to you know, particularly as it relates to firearms if there's children in the home you can't just have guns laying around in the home you just can't i'm sorry but i'm gonna say it again you just cannot do that and so you'll need to have a plan to access let's say firearms for safety in such a way that the kids that are in your home every day don't come across them and are, are uh, harmed by them and, and are harmed by their improper use. It's good, Cray. And, and I just want to mention in the Tiny Survival Masterclass and the Vital Survival component, you have a whole, a whole section on uh, personal self-defense, don't you? I do, uh, both hand-to-hand as well as some improvised tools as well. Okay, let's take a look at shelter. This is so easy that it has to be said. If you're driving somewhere and you're in a situation that you don't feel comfortable, the best place to be is in your car. And leaving your car is where you, and I like this word that you used a minute ago, vulnerabilities. That's where you become very vulnerable. As soon as you leave your car, you've lost your shelter. And when I mean shelter, not just shelter from the cold or shelter from the rain, but shelter from somebody hitting you with a bat. You're out in the middle of the road and somebody's got a bat, then you are exponentially in more danger unless you have trained how to deal with that over and over and over again. You're going to get hit with that bat. However, if your car gets hit, you might get glass in your eye, but you'll be able to drive off, for example. I try to think about it from that perspective, particularly as it relates to bugging out because bugging out will probably start on our vehicles. And then again, sheltering in your home is going to be the way to do it. And it would be my recommendation for people to fortify their homes, be ready to defend them, take care of their needs long-term, uh, well, short-term and long-term in their homes. And then last but not least, you do literally have to bug out on your feet and you've got the supplies that are needed inside your kit to defend your, I mean, to be able to shelter yourself. That means things like 55-gallon drum garbage bag or tarp or, or tent or some of that nature that's going to be able to get you at least some shelter because going out, I, te- I teach this stuff for a living, literally. And going out and building some debris hut, that's that's what I call bushcraft arts and crafts. You know, that's all fun and games, but realistically it's going to take several hours to do that properly. And you don't have that. You don't have that in a stressed out, I'm sweating, now I'm cold situation. So, Take some supplies wherever you go, have them with you. You know, that might be a sleeping bag if you live in, you know, the northern parts of the country or wherever you're listening to this where it's cold, that you leave in your vehicle in case you break down. And it it could be a wool blanket. It could be any number of things that you could leave in a vehicle so you've got shelter there and the ability to take care of yourself. Okay, so we've covered safety, security, shelter. We've got hygiene, drinking water, power, heat, communication, food, first aid, Skills, building a team, and evaluating your preparedness. Anything in there that that you think you want to pick up on? Man, all of those are important, and I'm glad we've got these covered here so that everybody can, you know, you can, those are fairly obvious. I love focusing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Attention like we have on those first three because that's, you know, that's very short term meaning seconds or minutes you could die if you don't take care of those these other things is where you start extending out so obviously you want to have the ability to take care of yourself and and keep it with water and hygiene drinking water obviously carry some but the one that i think and i'm getting more and more focused on this myself i've been doing this for years but i think everybody quite frankly everybody needs to get or somebody in every family needs to have their ham radio license Mm -hmm. i truly do and at least have the ability to communicate effectively without phones from a distance. And don't believe the garbage that you see in the marketing of, you know, walkie-talkie, two-way radios. They'll go 31 miles because they will not. They will not do that. Uh, you'll be lucky to get a mile out of those things in Kentucky. Uh, you you you'd be lucky to get 100 yards in Kentucky if you're on one side of hill versus another. Same thing in Pennsylvania or wherever you find yourself if there's hills. Ham radios just exponentially increase your ability to communicate because you can hit repeaters and repeaters. And this is something that, I, and these folks, I love them to death, but they are the biggest nerds in the world when it comes to technology. And I love them to death for it. I've learned so much from these ham radio and I'm lovingly calling them nerds. Just so if you're listening, you're ham, you know what I mean? These folks will have solar powered antennas up. If the, if the grid goes down on these repeaters, and you'll be able to communicate effectively with people that also have ham radios. Now, don't get me wrong. You could listen in on ham radio, but it's against FCC regulations for you to talk. And, you know, depending upon the level of disaster, that might go out the window. So at the very least, you should get your ham radio license just so you know how to hit those repeaters at the very least because it's a little technical, but I'm not a technologically advanced person, and I've been able to accomplish it in a short amount of time and communicate effectively. I mean, there's people in my group and my circle that I can communicate with that are 30 miles away right now on my radio. Right now, I can talk to them. And I can hit them on the radio, and they would be there because they're listening in, and I'm listening in. So that that's a big one I think is very important. That's great, Craig. And another one that we've talked about at length in other podcasts would be hygiene. It's one thing that people don't really think about all that much. And with hygiene, obviously, goes water. If you're dependent on power, like we are here, for our water, our water comes out of a 300-foot-deep well, so we've got to have power couple of quick things flushing the toilet only requires to put water in the back that doesn't have to be clean water so keep that in mind if you're not aware how a toilet works and a lot of people aren't that's okay that's why we're here to help people is you can dump dirty water in the back of the toilet and flush it because you'll want to get that stuff away from your house if you can Mm -hmm. in any way possible the other one is i just back up and say yeah hygiene's hygiene's critical i just last week i taught a, a three 
day advanced survival course where I had, you know, 15 people out in the woods for three days and everybody's talking about what they're going to eat when they get home and, and get in that shower. And that's only three days. You all, I mean, come on that, uh, and don't get me wrong. I like it too. I mean, I love being at home where I can get a hot shower and, and the food that I can uh, fix at the house, but that it's difficult. It's very difficult. And, and David's really good at being really, um, really articulate when it comes to this. And I kind of get real with it, but when you get that crotch funk and that toe funk going on, that is not only hurtful, painful, but it, there's a lot of bacteria growing there. And when you, I mean, think about it, you get a lot of, and I'm just talking from a soldier's perspective. I'm not a soldier, but just, I've trained a bunch of them. When you get crotch funk going on because you haven't been able to clean yourself, you can't ruck, you can't hike. It's hard to move. And so that seems like a little thing, but it's a big thing. I had two 11 Bravos. Those are infantrymen from the army in my class this past weekend. They clean themselves twice a day. They, they took their shoes off, cleaned their feet, powdered their feet. They, uh, they used wipes, and when we didn't have wipes because I took all that away from them, they stopped at the creek, warmed up water at the creek, boiled it so it was hygienic, and washed themselves at the creek. They did it twice a day. That, that's a good lesson for me. That's a good lesson for all of us. Let's, let's just real quick buzz down through these bullet points, and you and I can each mention one or two items that people ought to consider with regards to these, and these might even be gear items. So uh, safety and security, uh, I would just say you need to get some training. Vital survival portion of the Tiny Survival Masterclass is a great place. Um, I'm a proponent of responsible firearm ownership and use. Okay, shelter, I'm going to say shelter and heat. Make sure that you have in your home alternative heating because uh, you need to, especially now, I mean, we're recording this in the middle of the winter, and if the electric goes out, a lot of people are going to be hurting. So uh, alternative gear there would be uh, something like a, a kerosene heater. That's one thing I can think of. I know in our house we have a the ability to heat our entire home. Yeah, uh, alternative heat sources, and I think you should practice utilizing them like this year I, I replaced our kerosene because we just don't use it unless it's an emergency. So you need to be replacing that kerosene if that's what you're going to be as your backup heat source because we're on electric where we're located, and that's really the only choice that we have. Um, and so that that's vital. Drinking water, just make sure that you always have a lot around. I'm just I'm looking around the gear cave here, and I can see probably th- 30, 40 gallons of water that we just have ready to go. Water and ways to uh, to filter and purify water. Yep. And there's a big difference between filtration and purification, and we go over that in our class. So make sure you pay attention to that because that's very important. Okay, power. Power is really important. It's more important than we realize till we don't have it. So I know here we have, we have a basic emergency solar... Uh, Solar power, there's some really great solar generators that are out now that you can pick up for $500 to $1,000. I would definitely be looking at that. And also a generator, if you have the ability to have a generator. A lot of people in urban situations, uh, maybe you would not be able to have that, but you almost certainly could have some sort of a solar generator. And 
the cool thing is that they're quiet. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking just in every one of these, I could say you should have a pace plan, not just for communications. We talk about the pace plan and communications, but it should be a pace plan for every item here, primary, alternative, contingency, and emergency. You should have those for every item on this bullet point list. Uh, and that would include really power. Point. Yep. That would include power. Communication, I think you covered that well. Yeah. Uh, food, again, multiple levels of food. Yeah, and I'm a big proponent of of spices. Uh, and I've been pushing that to people this year is adding spices because you'll be eating a lot of the same foods in a really true grid down or survival situation. And just having different spices, which don't weigh much, don't take up much space, particularly in a shelter-in-place-at-home sort of situation, can really increase the morale uh, of a situation very quickly. And they can enhance beans and rice a lot, which are, at the time of this recording, you can get them in bulk. And if you store them properly, I, I think we both have videos and storage. And again, in the Tiny Survival Master class, the Vital Survival portion, you, you cover that quite well. First aid, uh, no first aid. Uh, have the right supplies. You need to have a good first aid kit and a good trauma kit. I agree. Get and get the training. It's just like firearms. Get the training. Get American Red Cross, American Heart Association for basic first aid. Uh, take it a step further and get stop the bleed training so you know how to use trauma medicine kit items and to do it properly. Okay, skill development. Take a class. Uh, take notes here. Get the tiny survival guide. Go through the Tiny Survival Master Class. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think to add to that, uh, there's. I think you need to look at practice testing and and training. Practice is where you're just practicing maybe with a new piece of kit or you're practicing a new skill. Let's say it's fire building. Let's say it's utilizing your water filter, whatever. That's practicing, getting to know it. Testing it is where you put it up against uh, variables that weren't there when you were first testing it, just learning how to use it, maybe use it in different conditions, weather, maybe use it in conditions where you're injured or you simulate an injury. And then training is where you actually use, utilize the tools. Uh, you've practiced with them, you've tested with them, and now you're training with them. And that's, you know, that's, again, you can go to somebody else's survival school, but the best one in the country is Nature Reliance School. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. But uh, I'm not saying that jokingly either. The more I find hey, out that what other people and, are doing. And I I'm do agree. That's where I train when I train. So you know, we put our students through practice and testing regularly in level one classes in this advanced survival course level two. People were, I told them, I'm not going to tell you anything about knots and shelters and water filters and stuff of that nature. And people were sadly disappointed when um, some of that stuff didn't work the way they expected it to under stress conditions and so they suffered and you know i helped them through that obviously i helped them work through that that's what i'm there for i'm their instructor i'm not their drill instructor so that said if you don't do it with us then do it on your own or do it with somebody else that can help you practice testing and then training all right craig the last thing last two things are build a team and what i mean by this is Make sure that you have people that you can trust around you. Make sure that people around you train together, talk together, 
support each other, be ready to help each other if the need happens. I would just ask everyone to think back the last time you were sick. Uh, a lot of you that live on your own by yourself, you handle that as well as you can, and, and that's there's a lot that I can learn from somebody like that. But the last time I was sick, I don't get sick very often. It's been a long time. But the last time I was sick, I was really dependent upon my wife to help me. Um, my wife nearly cut her toe off uh, last week in a real simple little accident in the garage, slipped and fell, uh, and literally almost cut her pinky toe off. And it was up to me to get that fixed as best I could in that situation and, and to wrap her up and take care of her and all that stuff for the last two weeks. Um, what would she have done if she was by herself? So, yeah, I mean, build a team, have people you can depend upon, people you can work with, and, and you can depend upon them, and they can depend upon you. And the last thing is just evaluate your current preparedness. Hopefully, hopefully we helped you do that. And uh, maybe you can plug some gaps from this. I, another thing I would just say is don't be overwhelmed. Start where you're at. Uh, do it. Do the most important things first. And develop some sort of a written plan and make sure that those that you care about know what that plan is and are ready to respond with you. Yeah, the best the best time to start was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. So, I mean, if you haven't started and you're here, then that's why you're here and be okay with that. Uh, David and I, neither one feel or look down upon people that are just getting started. That's what we're here for you all. I'm glad you're here. So take this. It may seem overwhelming. There's a lot of bullet points here. Uh, in in the recorded versions where you're just listening to us talk and speak about things then just write your own notes and start checking them off slowly but surely. I think the best thing to do is just look at the tiny survival guide. It's just full, really, of bullet points. Really, when, it, when you look at it, it's just a bunch of bullet points. That way you can go right down through the tiny survival guide and check things off and the things that you don't have checked off, you need to be fixing now. Okay, everyone, we are out of time for this edition of survival quick tips but in a moment craig and i are going to continue the conversation with some bonus grid down content for our tiny survival masterclass students that's going to include a foolproof disaster plan development exercise so powerful it'll train you for a worst case scenario event where the grid goes down and we're going to throw in a thousand dollar survival tip that will give you a huge strategic advantage if the power grid goes down so here's the deal you all vital survival by itself is worth everything that you invest in getting this course and let me tell you a little bit about vital survival i put vital survival together to be 12 lessons that cover what i feel to be obviously the vital aspects of survival after teaching hundreds if not thousands of people federal law enforcement military personnel civilians homemakers kids adults over the last more than a decade and it's all distilled down in vital survival just for you so jump in check it out you'll get what you need all right everyone and you can access all of that over at tinysurvivalmasterclass.com and actually the masterclass has four courses in it it has as craig said it has the vital survival course it has the survival quick tips full versions with bonus content it has my bow drill, foolproof bow drill class, and it has a wild edible course 
by Craig. This has been a good one, and thank you all for listening in and watching. Uh, we're all about doing everything that we can to help you all be better prepared. Until the next time, which there will be a next time, hang in there. We're going to get this. We're going to do it together. Keep it simple. Be positive and stay sharp.